<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys in Ties podcast. This is Dustin, and it is Sunday morning at around 10 when me and Rob are recording this. And speaking of Rob, Rob, how are you doing today? Telling you, Dustin, we, we saw this last week, and we're seeing it again this week. I'm always better when football wins, and not just wins, wins convincingly. And God, yesterday was so cool, so much fun. Yesterday was a good day for UVA sports, and we're going to get into all of it. Um, but first, got to say that I've got Rob on the phone today. We are not together, unfortunately. So it's a sad day for us, but uh, we couldn't get the the technology working in our favor. We need a producer is what we need. Full-time producer. I, I am the producer, Rob. Well, you're doing a great job, man. <laughs> we, need, we need someone who can uh, we need a- tell oh. Rob how to... Work the mics. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there, fam. We'll get there. We'll get there. But so to start off with, Rob, I just want your quick takeaways from the game yesterday. I think it starts with physicality because I was talking to some people yesterday about this. This was the first ACC game I can remember in a long time where Virginia was by far the most physical team on the field. I mean, Louisville had no answer for us. And that doesn't mean we were running at will. It doesn't mean our pass rush was necessarily getting there every time. But it meant that we controlled the game, we controlled the line of scrimmage, and we were the ones delivering blows. I mean, we were hitting both their starting quarterback, Malik Cunningham, and also when they brought in their backup, uh, Juwan Pass. And you could just see it on the edges against the receivers, setting the edge against the run. I mean, we were the more physical team, and it was cool to really see us play with that fire, that discipline, kind of like Coach Mendenhall has said that he wanted us to and how his teams did at BYU. I mean, look at the rushing yards. We had 204 rushing yards to just 66 on their end. I mean, this was a foundational type of win. At least I hope that's what it should be, just manhandling Louisville like that. Yeah, and I'm I like how you you talk about the running game because this is one of the you know last year we were dead last in run defense and run offense and today or yesterday we held them to only 66 yards and we had over 200 yards rushing and I think that's just a huge uh point of emphasis on how much better we've gotten as a team from this year to last year. And I mean, this is not to say that this is the Louisville team from a couple of years ago, right? This Louisville team is without their starting star quarterback, Lamar Jackson. And this is a Louisville team who is clearly in kind of a rebuilding mode with their defense. So they're not at the top of the ACC, but it's still good to, you know, get an ACC win right off the bat. Oh, definitely. I mean, third year in a row, we're starting 1-0 in the conference, which I think is pretty cool. And while Louisville isn't what they were last year, you can't discount the talent they have on this team. I mean, Jawan was a top recruit. I mean, this was a guy that was supposed to be a really, really good player out of high school. And so was Malik Cunningham. And you look at their passing stats, Jawan passed 10 for 19 for 113 yards and an interception. 
and Malik Cunningham, six for nine for 35 yards and an interception. Both were sacked twice. I mean, these are talented players that, yeah, they haven't worked out so far this year, but we can't discount the fact that this is the most talented team UVA has faced this season, and it's really not close to their talent level compared to probably Indiana's, which is the second-best team. And Virginia came out, and, you know, the game was never really in question after that goal-line stand, which is one thing I want to talk about. That goal-line stand Mm -hmm. was really what I hope to be season-defining. I mean, that was... That reminds me of that Florida State goal line stand we had when we went to the bowl game with Mike London. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that this really shows the kind of mentality that our defense has. You know, you know, Perkins threw that interception, and then our defense stood up and stopped them from getting a touchdown, and perhaps might have given them a little bit of momentum to get back into the game. But our defense really held its own and. In past years, I just don't think that would have happened. Yeah, and I mean, it starts, there's a pass that Alameda Zacchaeus probably should have caught, but it starts with Bryce Perkins, you know, chasing down the Louisville defender. And then on the goal line, we were thin on the defensive line. Richard Burney didn't play. Um, and then it starts with the linebackers. Malcolm Cook didn't play. And then we have Zane Zandier, who I learned this week is pronounced Zandier. Oh, it's not Zandier? And- yeah, uh, <laughs> typical UVA French pronunciation. <laughs> but, yeah, Zane Zandier just stuffed that third down play, and I think he's going to be a really special player for us. I mean, having him and Jordan Mack the rest of this season and then also next season as well, I'm really excited about that. But that was a momentum setter. That is really set the tone because at that point it was 6-3, that's when the offense really started picking it up. There was Evan Butts had a big third down catch on the drive after, followed by the Bryce Perkins scramble, which I don't know about you, Dustin. That is the most electric play I've seen from a UVA player maybe in my lifetime. Yeah, I that hurdle. Yeah, that was insane. I mean, he I mean, the guy wasn't even that low to the ground. And you if you've you you might have for those who don't know or didn't see the game yesterday or haven't looked on any social media since Saturday, Bryce Perkins hurdled a man, a grown man, who was not <laughs> bending over that far. I mean, I would I would guess it was five feet, maybe four and a half. Oh, yeah. But it, it, he easily got over him, and, and then he kept going. And that was an incredible, an incredible feat of athleticism from Perkins. Yeah, it was awesome. And it was literally like right in front of my seat. So it was so cool. I was at the game. And then he did it again. He did it again to cap off the scoring. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember talking and we had, when we had Chris Wright on from Sabre, we asked him just how athletic is Bryce Perkins. And he said, you know, Marcus Hagens was quick. He was fast. But I don't think Virginia has ever seen a quarterback with just the raw, athletic talent as Bryce Perkins has and I think he saw that yesterday that was something we knew he was fast and we knew he was powerful but I had no idea he could jump like that yeah and speaking of Bryce Perkins I just want to ask you about his passing real quick because you know this is something that we've touched on probably every episode since we started talking about football on a consistent basis and I I'm feeling more and more comfortable with him passing every single week. Oh, yeah. There's there's definite growth there. And I think part of it, too, is we were probably a little spoiled the past two years and didn't even really notice it as far as Bryce Perkins. Sorry, uh, Kurt Benkert's arm talent. I mean, Kurt Benkert is in the NFL for a reason. And mm-hmm. while... You know, he was never the most consistent guy in the world, and he looked great some weeks and awful the next, especially to end the season last year. He really did not end the season well. He had incredible arm talent and, you know, some of the best pure passing ability we've seen from a UVA quarterback in Scott Stadium. And Bryce Perkins clearly doesn't have that. He doesn't have that big-time arm, that rifle. But 
what Austin Foster said last week, which I thought was really insightful, is timing. Yeah. You look at his these plays, he might only have one read or two reads, but if the timing's there, it doesn't really matter how the ball looks as long as it gets there. Right. And we've seen him complete different types of passes. We know we've seen him complete the quick screens, the slants, the out routes, and last or yesterday for the first time we saw him complete the deep ball, Joe Reed. Yeah, that based off a one on one matchup. So we're seeing this playbook kind of expand and we're seeing Bryce Perkins confidence expand too. And one thing we have to emphasize too is he's being really efficient. He's making good decisions mm-hmm. with the ball and he's not forcing anything. Aside from that pick six, week one against Richmond, you know, I can't really think of any other play where I was like, Man, Bryce really messed up. Yeah. I mean he's been really, really good and I think we have to emphasize that. Yeah, he's been he's been incredible and you know, he was seventeen of twenty four yesterday. Uh, almost 200 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, which, you know, was on that tip drill. But I think that, you know, as you're saying, he's consistent and the accuracy is there. You know, sometimes, I mean, if we look back to the Indiana game, he was throwing the ball at people's feet, but that's because, you know, the ball was soaking wet. I think that this is the kind of the first game that he's played in at UVA where he's at home in Scott Stadium and it's not raining you know because i mean even against richmond like it was still damp it was wet um today or yesterday it was not raining it was an okay day i mean it was still wasn't perfect but you know it was the kind of the first time that he had good weather and i was impressed with his throws i think while we're on the subject we also have to just bring up brennan armstrong who also looked really impressive in his brief performance Mm mm-hmm I'll say it was the most UVA thing ever to see our starting quarterback get hurt on a trick play when he was a receiver. <laughs> right. <laughs> just holding my breath, like, oh my God. But when Brennan Armstrong came into the game, remember he came in on a pretty big third down. Mm-hmm. And he came in and had a 30-some yard rush. Uh, the Louisville player made a great break on the ball in the end zone. But Brennan Armstrong delivered a really good ball to to see Stubois yeah. in the end zone. And even at the end there, you know, I thought at the end when we were running out the clock against Louisville with Brennan Armstrong, we might even try to score because they weren't taking a knee. Jordan Ellis was breaking some runs. Forrest Kelly had a run. I mean, you got to be happy with what you've seen from the quarterbacks. So, I mean, it's just been an area of growth for sure. Right. It's comforting to see. Right. And I mean, this is a good look for the future, too. I mean, if the coaches can somehow redshirt Armstrong and not play him in like half the games this season, I think that'll be a really big boost for our future just so that we can have him for four more years. So let's let's talk a little bit about the defense, maybe. Yeah, sounds good. So Charles Snowden, the obvious star uh, this week. You know, eight total tackles, one and a half for loss, one sack, one fumble recovery, and one interception where he just snagged that ball. That was pretty cool. Not yeah. to mention two other pass breakups. Mm-hmm. So Charles Snowden, a guy that has flash potential, and now it seems like it's all kind of coming together, which was really fun to see. You also had Bryce Hall finally getting his interception. He dropped a couple so far this year. He played really, really well. But mm-hmm. dropped a couple this year. So it's great to see him get that pick. And, and again, that really stalled that next Louisville drive. Because Jawan passed when he came in. He came out slinging. Yeah. And they were moving the ball. And that was a great way to just say, nope, we're still going to win this game. Yeah. So great play. And we also just, in general, while the pass rush wasn't great, it wasn't getting there immediately. Mm-hmm. The secondary played well, and you know it was the first game since 2009 that Virginia didn't allow a touchdown. It was the first game Maryland or uh, that Louisville hadn't scored a touchdown uh, since they joined the ACC. So I mean, great defensive performances across the board. Eli Handback with the sack. Aaron Famui had the sack. True freshman, he had the sack that Charles Snowden recovered the fumble on. Mm-hmm. Jordan Redman played really well. 
he had a half sack along with Jordan Mack. I mean, one thing that is easy to overlook, just in the way that Bryce Perkins hurdled the guy, is that the defense played really, really well, and it's been part of the trend. While they've given up points here and there, if they're giving up points, it's normally on short fields. And considering the lack of depth we have at the defensive line, I mean, these guys have come to play week after week. Yeah, and um, I agree with you. And the def- you know we're on the defensive line, and we've definitely got some guys hurt, and we've got some guys who, you know, haven't played yet because of academic issues. But I- I'm really impressed with how they've produced over the past couple of weeks, and how they've just gotten better. And you know, we're we're saying this. You know, they haven't really gotten many sacks. They're not pressuring the QB as fast as we'd like, but our secondary is good enough to hold up at least a little bit. And hopefully we can get some of those guys healthy again. We can get some guys uh, eligible to play. And hopefully that line just gets better as the season goes on. Yeah. One thing definitely worth calling attention to uh, Richard Bernie, who obviously made a switch from tight end to defensive end and played really well so far this season not even all things considered, just in general. He has played well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did not play yesterday because of a medical dis- uh, condition that Bronco Mendenhall didn't disclose. So something to monitor. Obviously, wish him the best and hope that it's nothing serious and that he can get back on the football field. But that's a big thing to monitor because while it looks like we might be, be getting Dylan Thompson soon, Richard Burning is a definitely a player and a player who had been starting for us so hopefully there's nothing serious going on there yeah hopefully hopefully it's all good I mean I hope that he can come back but if this is a medical issue that's you know it's gonna affect his career then that's that's really unfortunate um and speaking of defensive line troubles we have a defensive line recruit that Rob gave a yell to last week who uh, has reopened his commitment. And Rob, I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that for a sec. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's really too much to go into there. I know there's a lot going on on uh, his recruiting front as far as making sure UVA fits the needs and his desires as a school, both uh, you know, academically and athletically is what we're hearing. So I don't think there's really a need to go too in-depth there. Um but there's a lot going on there. That decision made doesn't seem like it was purely about football when he reopened his recruiting process. Yeah. Ben Smiley's a guy that wants to come here, and we'll just have to see if it's able to work itself out. Yeah, but, we and we hope he can come because he's a he's a boss. But um, you know, hopefully he can he can figure it out, and hopefully the U, the UVA can work with them on you know getting him ready for the for next season. But if not, then you know, that's that's how it happens. And we move on. But, you know, there's a lot of momentum with the program. And one thing that we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up is kind of the momentum that died yesterday uh, mm. with Virginia Tech. And, you know, we're a UVA podcast. I respect the Virginia Tech football program. But there's no way when Virginia Tech loses to ODU, we can't bring this up. Yeah. What were your thoughts on that game, Dustin? You know, I was watching it, and you know, I was at dinner with um with some family, and I actually had to go to the bathroom, and for like fifteen minutes and watch the end of the <laughs> game so that so that I could um you know actually see it because I wanted to make sure it happened, and uh, I I was I mean I was impressed by ODU. They looked really good, but also Tech looked beatable, and. You know, if we look back on the games that Tech has played this year, they beat FSU. They blew out FSU first game. And ever I think everyone was like, "Whoa, you know, F, you know, Tech must be so good because they they beat FSU." But FSU sucks this year. Like <laughs> legit, they they are but on the offensive They're line. Very- they they have no offense. Their defense sucks. So FSU is bad. Um, and then Tech blows out William and Mary at home in their first uh, game, right? And then everyone's like, "Oh, Tech's so good! They blew out William and Mary and Te- and FSU." 
and then they didn't play last week because of the hurricane. And so those are the only two games that we've seen Tech play this year, right? And now they go and lose to ODU uh, in the 757 in like their recruiting zone. And I can't help but think that Tech is not as good as they seem to be this year, you know? And gave me a little bit of hope for the for the future. Yeah, I just in my office this week, I always listen to the Virginia football clips on the best seat in the house, uh, the Charlottesville radio station. Mm-hmm. And Jay James this week, I forget who he had on, but his point of one segment was Virginia Tech looks good, but don't crown him yet. And I think we saw why Virginia Tech really struggled and especially in the secondary. Yeah. I mean, that was a Bud Foster coach defense that just was having breakdowns left and right. And it's something you rarely, rarely see. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think Virginia Tech will rebound. I do think they're a very good team. But all of a sudden, that date at the end of the season, you know, it doesn't look as bad. And the ACC across the board isn't the sexiest conference by any means. You mm-hmm. have Clemson. That looks really good. But then outside of Clemson, is Miami the second best team? Is Virginia Tech still the second best team? You know, uh, NC State, they're up there, but they aren't the best team in the world. Boston College got, you know, beat pretty soundly yesterday. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, Duke might be the second best team right now. Right. So there's a lot still left to be determined. And as far as our schedule goes, UVA schedules goes, after beating Louisville the way we did yesterday, you know, you would think there's three more wins on that schedule. And mm-hmm. potentially, even the way I was talking to Austin yesterday, um, our guest last week, he was saying the way Coach and I, Robert and I, the offensive coordinator, has been calling games, who's to say we can't beat NC State next week? And who's right. to say... And I don't want to get ahead of myself on Virginia Tech, but who's to say after what we saw yesterday, we can't play with Virginia Tech? Yeah, and and I mean, let me go back to their secondary because, you know, the defense is always something that Virginia Tech has hung their head on every year. Even when their offense isn't good, their defense is always solid. And their defense was not solid last night. They gave up almost 500 yards passing to a backup quarterback at ODU. That's almost unacceptable. I mean, I mean, how do you, I don't want to compare this to, I've been comparing it in my mind to our last basketball loss, because yep. if you think about it, Tech lost an important player. They lost their quarterback midway through the game uh, to an ankle injury, right? They had, they gave, no one gave ODU a chance to win. And this is one of the most devastating losses that Tech has ever faced I mean, of course, if we go back to our basketball game, you know, DeAndre Hunter was hurt and everyone thought that this would, this just destroyed the, everyone's heart. But I just, I keep seeing parallels between, between those games. But a interesting fact I saw on Twitter is that ODU had a smaller chance of winning than UMBC did. So is, is this a bigger upset? I don't know. I don't know. One thing I will say while we are doing comparisons is that I was listening to that game on the radio back in Charlottesville yesterday. And the way, you know, Foster, the way they handled that loss was really good. And it reminded me of the way Tony Bennett handled mm-hmm. our loss against UMPC. Yeah. So while we hate Virginia Tech and while we love to revel in their losses, uh, you know, they're they're good guys down in Blacksburg for the most part. They handled it well, and I'm sure they'll bounce back. And we have to continue our momentum, too, UVA. I mean, all of a sudden we beat NC State next week, then we're talking about, you know, how high can this team go? But if we lose to NC State next week, then we're 3-2, and two, and we still have to make some plays, and we still have to win some games to move forward and become bowl eligible. So... There's a lot of different dynamics going on in the ACC, and it's still just, I think, too early to get a great read on kind of where we stand and where other teams stand. 
but I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see how we do next week against NC State. So do we? Um, do you just want to do a a quick look ahead to next week? Sure. So NC State down in Raleigh next week. Uh, you know they're a talented team, very talented team. They lost some guys last year um, from that team on defense. So I think the hope for us is one established ground game and just like we did today it doesn't have to be you know the runs that we've seen against indiana at times or the runs we've seen against ohio at times but just control the line of scrimmage and out physical them i think that's big on offense and then on defense ryan finley is if not the best pure pocket passer then up at the very, very top of the best pure pocket passers in the ACC. He's got a great shot to be playing in the NFL soon. So, you know, same type of thing we saw today when Jawan Pass was in the game. Maybe our pass rush isn't going to get there immediately, but get there and make them feel it at the very least and trust our secondary to make plays on the outside. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'm looking at in the um, game preview next week is that uh, we're, we're kind of similar teams in the way that we, in terms of points allowed and points per game on offense. So NC State has about 34 points per game on offense, and we're at 32.5 right now. And they allow only 13.3 game points per game, and we allow 16.8. So the the stats are pretty similar. But when you look at the teams that they have played, they have played JMU, Georgia State, and Marshall. And so I don't think that the teams that they have played are as quality as the teams that we have played. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think we saw that again with Louisville yesterday. Obviously, they went up against Alabama. but Mm -hmm. So we'll kind of just toss that game out the window. But then they played two teams thereafter that really weren't that good. And this was kind of the smash in the mouth they got. I don't think they were ready for the physicality we could bring to the game. Mm -hmm. And here's hoping that NC State isn't ready for that either. I just keep going back to when Mike London was still our coach and Bronco Mendenhall was still at BYU. We had that home-and-home series. And the themes I remember is that those Bronco Mendenhall BYU teams, while no one would call them the most talented teams in the world, all the offensive players would say, that's the hardest hitting team we've played all year. Yeah. And, you know, yesterday we were physical. We played like that at the line of scrimmage in our linebacking group and also in our secondary. And if we can just bring that mentality, bring that physicality, I mean, I think we can surprise a team like NC State. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, something to look at is that NC State's a passing team. They have over 370 yards passing a game, but they are not good at rushing the ball. They only are a lot, they only get a little bit over 100 yards per game. So I think that that's something that can play into our favor because we are, are you know, we're, we're talking about our front seven versus our defensive backs. And our defensive backs are really good, so hopefully we can pack the box a little, or we can not pack the box as much because their running backs are not good, and we can get a little bit more into pass coverage. Yeah, I mean, this is a game that kind of like Louisville this week. Louisville, you know, traditionally we played well against Louisville, but you know, when the season started, I didn't give us a great chance against them. They mm-hmm. were just more talented across the board. And that was the same thought I had with NC State, you know, just probably more talent across the board. They've got a great quarterback. Uh, They've had great defensive players the past year, two years. But all of a sudden now this is another game where maybe it wasn't as winnable as, at least on paper, as the Louisville game. This is all of a sudden a winnable game. And I keep talking about steps Bronco Mendenhall needs to take as he builds the program. And one thing I felt strongly about against Indiana and then also Louisville was that 
those were average teams and those were the types of games that in your third year as a coaching regime you should be winning Mm -hmm. and we were close against indiana but unfortunately couldn't pull it off but we dominated louisville i mean let's not get lost in all this looking forward this was a dominant kind of hey like look at us acc we're good yeah at least better than what we've been in the past five or six years it was that type of win so all of a sudden now nc state while it's not at maybe as winnable as louisville or mm-hmm. as winnable as indiana it's all of a sudden a winnable game and if that's a game that now we can win as a program i mean i think we're gonna see more and more these 50-50 games that what we thought at the beginning of the season become more and more tilted in our favor. Yeah. Yeah. And I um I'm excited to see what what we can do next week. And uh hopefully we we come to play. And hopefully it's not raining cuz we seem to play better <laughs> when it's not raining. That's just a uh, that's just my take. But uh but yeah, is there anything else you want to say about football? Anything that you want to see worked on? I know there's one area that I want to see us improve on but i want to ask you first what is something that we can improve on from the louisville game well i would have told you after for the first quarter the place picking situation yes that's uh, what i was thinking too hunter pearson how about that maybe we finally have our kicker and maybe he's a four-year guy yeah i mean granted he he didn't his kicks weren't like super long or anything but hey if you're gonna make them that's all i need <laughs> I mean, I mean, I feel bad for for Mejia because you know when you're a kicker and you miss those kicks, it it really gets to you, and so I I do feel bad for him. But at the end of the day, we gotta have a kicker who can make those thirty yard field goals, you know. And, yeah, not, um, it's huge. Yeah, it seems like it seems like Pearson is the the guy for that now. So, well, I guess yeah. Sorry, go on. Not- Bacon, he's on scholarship. So, yeah. I mean, they were really high on this guy. No, no, we... we kicker on scholarship. Yeah, we sought him out, and we put him on scholarship. So, I mean, hopefully... I mean, we'll see next week if he's still in the starting lineup. But, uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of good takeaways. Again, Paul said it wasn't perfect. There were plenty of areas we could improve upon, but... This was a very good game, and we've seen Richmond, we just kind of outclassed them, which was a good start after they outclassed us two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll skip Indiana, but then against Ohio, again, it was we outclassed them. It really wasn't close. The final score made the game seem a lot closer than what it actually was. And then this week, very, very convincing win. Yeah. Very convincing win. So we're trending in the right direction. Hopefully this continues, but all of a sudden we might have found our kicker. I think mm-hmm. we're comfortable to say we found our quarterback at least for the next two years. Yeah. And defensively we're seeing improvement and we're seeing young guys stepping up. Your Charles Snowdens, your Zane Zandiers, your Aaron Famuis, Jordan Redmond had a nice uh, start to the game yesterday too. So a lot of positive momentum and it's just fun to see. It's fun to win the football games. Um, now that we've talked about football a little bit, I think it's time to move on to basketball, which is the best thing. And while there was a lot of great football news this week, there's also a lot of big, big basketball news. And I want to dive right into that. Let's do it. So I want to talk about basketball. And there's no real basketball content except for recruiting. And this weekend, we got a huge big-time recruitment from Carson McCorkle, who is a he's going into his sophomore year, and he's from North Carolina, and he he's young enough so that he doesn't really have a good rating yet, but everyone says, all the things I've read, all the things I've seen, is that he has five-star potential written all over him. I'm really super excited to see what he can do and see him come on. So he is 6'3", and he is a lights-out shooter. So the, the first person that comes to mind is Kyle Guy. And, but I think that when all is said and done, he could be an even better shooter than Kyle is. 
yeah, I mean, everything we've read so far has kind of made that comparison. You know, uh, Carson McCorp was a proud guy, and I know on Who's Place, uh, we had Seattle Who, uh, who joined our show earlier. He's noted that when McCorkle got his offer, the first picture he tweeted was of Kyle Guy. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great comparison to make, I think. And the fact that Kyle Guy has been so good for us with two years left, still got two more years to be really good for us. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, if that comparison's being made when McCorkle's still two, maybe three years out, mm-hmm. that's, that's high praise. Yeah. So the the weird thing about McCorkle is that he is probably going to be in the 2021 recruiting class, which is I found kind of strange because we we still don't have any verbal commits for the 2020 recruiting class. Now, uh, and and he has said that he is able to bump up to the 2020 class if he needs to, but for now I think the coaches are saying that he's going to stay in the 2021 class. Still no commits for 2020, but we've got one for 2021. And I think it's going to be a big one. I think I think we're really going to like this guy. And one thing that I like, because I admittedly don't follow basketball recruiting super in detail. Uh, you know, I'm not reading like, oh, this guy did this, this guy did that. I wonder what he's going to think about us and his other offers. I just don't follow it in that type of detail. Mm-hmm. But what I do look at is timing. And I think this was, I mean, it couldn't have been a better start to this weekend. Because yeah. not only was there a big football game on grounds, but Tony Bennett and the coaching staff had a lot of other players in this weekend. Mm-hmm. To get that commitment on Friday with a bunch of other players in, with the football game this weekend that we dominated, I feel like that had to be a really really good thing for not only the basketball program but just athletics in general yeah and if you i mean if you look at the other kind of recruits that tony's trying to bring in we've um we were supposed to host a point guard reese beekman this weekend too but his flight got canceled so he wasn't able to make it in yesterday but i was reading um some pieces on from uva twitter and a lot of people are saying that you know point guards love spot up shooters like McCorkle. And if we can get a top point guard in Reese Beekman to come here and play with him, I mean, this can only bring our recruiting up just to have another guy like him already verbally committed. Yeah, and it's cool after seeing two years of I don't want to say subpar recruiting, but mm-hmm. just not not the sexy commits, not yeah. the plan A type of players. After two years of kind of striking out on a bunch of the guys we were really targeting, to mm-hmm. now all of a sudden be getting those. I mean, it reminds me of a couple of years ago. We started getting commitments from first Ty Jerome and then Kyle Guy. DeAndre Hunter eventually came on. We got that Diakite commitment. You can kind of see the future taking shape, saying, hey, you know, while London's uh, fourth year, our fourth year on grounds wasn't the best in mm-hmm. the world. You could see that future lining up. Yeah. So here, you know, we still have two more years, hopefully, of Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, one, maybe two more years of DeAndre Hunter. We're still waiting on Braxton Key. But then all of a sudden, to be getting these four-star type of guys we've been getting the past couple of months, you can kind of see, hey, you know, this phase one of Virginia Sacks, your or success, you know, your Joe Harris, your Malcolm Brogdon's, Anthony Gills. Now you're kind of seeing phase two, Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy. Now you're starting to see kind of the next generation, if you will, set itself up. And it's really exciting to see. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been a wild ride since Tony got here in Charlottesville. And I'm only more excited to see where it's going to go as we get these higher and higher level recruits. I mean, if you can get these five-star guys to re- commit and to stay for four years and play defense and you know this is gonna be this is gonna be something this could be something but i think what we're gonna do now is we're gonna call a guest and we're gonna see what they have to say about sports so we have a great guest on this week emily karen a fellow uva alum fellow cav daily alum and then also a current 
Sports Illustrated writer. Emily, welcome to the Guys and Ties podcast. Hey guys, I'm excited to be here. So, um, fun fact, I actually was not a UVA fan at all growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I watched a single UVA sporting event until I got to Virginia. <laughs> Aside from uh, Ryan Zimmerman on the Nats, because we were huge Nats fans. I got to Virginia, and I grew up watching Big Ten football, Penn State, the whole thing, and I was like, wow, this is this is different. And uh, <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Putting it nicely. <laughs> I was like, um, you know, especially consider this is, what, 2014 when... Uh, Mike London is on his way out. Things are not going very well. And I was like, the glory days. Yeah. I was like, you know, I think I have to find something else to root for besides, uh, you know, just football. So that's kind of where I started tuning into more of what else was going on in UVA sports. Um, Started writing for Cav Daily. That's how I met Robert. And then we kind of just went from there. Um, It's kind of one of those things where once you kind of get him in, it's like I started watching soccer and baseball and realizing like wow maybe our football team is not that great yet mm-hmm. but everything else is awesome so we kind of went from there um and i also realized like hey this is actually something i'm not that bad at maybe this is uh, a route that i could pursue and then i interned at espn when i was in college and ended up at si afterwards so i'm now on the news desk at si which means um kind of do a little bit of everything, which is actually kind of fun because you get to kind of pay attention to all the leagues and players and everything going on at once, which is overwhelming, but mm-hmm. it's been an awesome experience so far. So, And then you're yeah. also doing a little for Streak in the Lawn too, right? I am. I'm doing a, a little bit on the side for them, which has been fun because that's kind of keeps me tuned in to Virginia sports more specifically, which I am uh, grateful for. So are we. So... <laughs> Big, big weekend for UVA sports. Dustin and I have talked about a lot already, kind of the football team, the big win, uh, basketball. You know, we get the recruit, plus we have a lot of other players on ground. What were your thoughts on the weekends and just kind of what do you think all of this really means? It was an interesting weekend all around for ACC football. Um, I mean, you have BC, who was 3-0, getting absolutely rocked by Purdue, who was 0-3. You have the Tech upset, and then you have the Virginia win, which obviously everyone is pumped about. Bryce Perkins has shown incredible potential. I feel like this is definitely, no offense to Kurt Benford, but more of a trending upward um, point for the team than where we were kind of the last two years. And obviously when you bring in a new coach, it just takes time um, for people to adjust to a new system, for them to bring in their own guys, like that whole thing. It's just a matter of kind of giving them the time to get that all set up. And I feel like that's what we're starting to see. But you also have to consider that we still are playing Louisville, who is one of the worst teams in the ACC right now. So I kind of, you know, it's like I was excited and Perkins showed a lot of potential. Um, We looked good on both sides of the ball. But you have to keep in mind, you know, like if we're facing someone with more stature and we're able to do that, then I'm really going to be excited. I mean, this was kind of like, okay, this is like a glimmer of hope, but let's not get too high on the team quite yet. Um, in my opinion, I like to kind of keep things in perspective. I feel like with Virginia, everyone always hypes everything up and then it's like this massive letdown. Like when we go to the military bowl <laughs> last year and then get absolutely rocked. Right. Oh, so, you know, just trying to keep it in perspective where it's like, I'm excited about the win. I'm excited about what we're seeing, as I think a lot of fans are. Um, but I also am kind of being cautiously optimistic about what this means. Yeah. So the other thing you mentioned that happened this weekend was Tech lost to ODU, which has yeah. been great fun for everyone on the UVA side. And I'm wondering if if you want to talk about if this is a sign of more things to come for tech like this should they be worried or is this just kind of like a you know a weird game that they should just throw away i mean hey realistically tech is a very strong team um i don't think this is a sign of like tech is crumbling and tech is actually way worse than we thought i think this kind of happens to everyone i mean one of my favorite things that i saw yesterday as sad as this was was umbc tweeting at odu Mm -hmm. athletics (laughs) And I feel like that's just kind of the same thing where it's like you can have a really strong team and things just don't always go right. Um, Yesterday really didn't go well for Tech, Um, especially, you know, it's it's always tough when the upset 
is like the first of its kind as a feeling that we mm-hmm. know also. Um, oh, yes. But, uh, <laughs> I don't necessarily think this is kind of like a sign of the downfall of tech. I think they're still a strong team. Um, they've proven that last year, especially. Um, and I think it's still come November going to be a tough test for us. But I think it also shows the fact that tech is not infallible and we're trending upwards tech is not as perfect or as kind of complete necessarily all the time as we thought. I guess not as consistent is a better word to put it. Um, so I think tapping into that inconsistency and continuing to build our strength might be a good sign for November. You know, I'm not making any promises here, but I think this could be a better contest, contest than what we've seen in the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. that was kind of my thought when I heard about it yesterday. I was like, okay. I was like, maybe this means there's kind of some weak spots that Virginia can exploit. Yeah. So definitely. you're up at you're up at the Sports Illustrated news desk. So you hear a lot about a lot of different things. Is there a general perception of where people think of ACC football this year as far as how good it is? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not necessarily the best. I mean, you have Clemson, obviously, who kind of leads the way. And then everyone usually looks to Miami and to Tech as kind of the next two strongest ACC teams. But the issue with that is, like we saw this weekend, Tech struggling in some respects as well this year. And Miami, to be honest, they don't have the toughest slate. So even if Miami goes 9-3, and 10-2, whatever it is, I don't know that people generally looking at the big Power 5 conferences and all what the other teams are doing, I don't know that they're necessarily going to look at Miami and be like, that's a strong team. And then you have other teams who, I mean, I even know like in streaking the lines, power rankings for ACC this year or this week, we had Boston College, like the third best team in the ACC. Mm -hmm. And then you see what happened this week. So, yeah, I don't know. It's tough because it's like the ACC always has like one or two contenders who are really strong to kind of carry the rest of the conference in terms of perception. But then I think that's where teams like, Virginia and NC State and teams who are kind of starting to get a more respected perception. I think that's where those teams kind of will help it. And maybe the ACC as a whole will be kind of trending upwards the next couple of years. Where do you see Virginia and the ACC? Uh, Do you think we're still kind of trending towards the bottom? Do you think we're more in the middle? Kind of where do you see us? No, I would definitely say Virginia is the middle of the pack ACC team. Um, I mean, you look at like NC State and Louisville and other schools like that. And you're like, okay, we're not quite that bad, Um, but we're no Clemson. And I feel like the ACC right now has so many teams that are just kind of that middle of the pack that it gets hard to differentiate where we fall on that spectrum, where a lot of teams in the ACC fall on that spectrum. So, you know, everyone has established the best teams and established the worst teams. And then there's this kind of muddle in the middle. And I think Virginia is definitely there. I don't think one loss to Indiana is going to put us way at the bottom when you look at who else everyone else in ACC has played and how those games have panned out. I'm I'm going to move away from football because I'm a basketball guy and yesterday at the game we had two of our commits, uh, Casey Morsell and Caden Chedrick, uh, at the football game and I was wondering if you could talk about them and what you think they can bring to the table. We just have to give props to Tony Bennett and the rest of his staff because they are incredible at recruiting guys who are not the guys that everyone is seeking mm-hmm. and finding players who have such potential to be developed and to stay with a program for a few years and make an actual impact um, in terms of keeping this program kind of at the level that it is. And I think when you look at those guys, I mean, Tudyk is a big man. He's got to put some uh, some muscle on. He's a little bit on the lanky side. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, you even just think of, like, the development of Jack Salt. Right. over his you know time at Virginia and what Tony Bennett was able to do there. And I see a lot of that potential. Plus, I think Chedrick is a much better shooter than Jack Salt. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I think those are two guys, again, who it's like they're not names that are going to pop as like the top 50 recruits in the class. So they're not names that are people are going to be talking about going into the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think give them a year or two at Virginia, and those are names that are going to be important to Virginia's continued success. And I think Tony Bennett is really good at finding guys like that. And that's what I see for them. Yeah. And um, speaking, keeping on the lane of recruiting, we just got a huge commit from Carson McCorkle uh, Mm -hmm. this weekend as well, right before the football game. And I was wondering if 
uh, you can give us a little bit more insight as to his game. I know he's only a sophomore, but I mean, he's going into his sophomore year, so there's not a lot of stuff to look at yet, but what is his potential down the road? Yeah, I mean, truthfully, kind of like you said, it's hard to tell because we haven't seen a lot of him yet. Obviously, the coaches have in recruiting trips and whatnot, um, but there's not a lot of footage out there on him. But from what I have read, you know, he's a three-star right now, but by the time he's a senior, easily bump up to at least four-star, maybe Mm -hmm. five-star. So there's clearly a lot of potential there. I think, I mean, it's interesting to me that we were able to land him so early on, which um, I think, I mean, that's one of those things where you're like, okay, does that mean he really wants to go to Virginia or does that mean he just wants to know where he's going early and this is like what the options were? Yeah. I'm hoping that it's more of a he really wanted to go to Virginia, which then again kind of gives me hope that he feels like he fits into our system. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that always is a positive thing where you're like, okay, he's someone who's committed to what we do here and committed to the way we play basketball and clearly committed to the way Tony Bennett runs his team. And so I think that's a good sign. I mean, hopefully, now that he's committed, Virginia fans will be paying more attention to what he's doing in high school. I mean, it's also hard because he clearly is wildly talented if he's getting scouted by Virginia and recruited and committing Mm -hmm. there um, as only a sophomore. But the other thing is, too, the development of a player over two years is huge. Mm -hmm. So I feel like what we see from him now will not necessarily be what we get from him when he comes to Virginia. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and I, the only thing I worry about when we get a recruit this early is that they leave, you know, and they, yeah, they there's no, a possibility because it's only a verbal commit. And so if, yeah. if a school like Kansas or Kentucky or Duke comes, you know, poking around and they're more than likely to, you know, with a kid of his shooting abilities, I think that, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he actually stays. And I hope he does because he seems like he'd be a perfect fit. That's what I was saying is like, you kind of wonder why he committed this early. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I kind of was like, I'm hoping it's because he really wants to come here and thinks this is like the best fit. Because to be honest, if you're looking at Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, those schools, you know what you're going to get. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to go there if you want to be a one and done. If you think you're going to leave for the draft early, if you want to be part of a powerhouse, but you're not going to be there very long. But if you kind of see yourself as a player who could benefit from the development that comes from staying at Virginia, then that's a better place for you. So I'm hoping that's kind of where he sees himself. But like I said, also, there's a lot of chatter online about how recruiting status will bump the next couple of years. And if he's a five-star his senior year and he's still only verbally committed, then yeah, there's definitely a chance that other schools try to sway him and try to kind of pull him their way. So it is a concern, but I'm hoping that his commitment this early is kind of more of the the positive not like the scared let me commit early yeah more like i really you know the more of i really want to be part of this program Mm -hmm. well you can also look at it too just kind of i kind of look at it in the ty jerome mold in the sense that ty jerome didn't commit as early as mccorkle did but ty jerome was that first commitment of that class and it was pretty early and he was able to help bring in other guys you know your kyle guys uh eventually your (laughs) So we'll see. We'll see kind of what all this entails. Uh, at the time being, I think we're all just really excited. Big time player. And if he sticks with us, then he's got the potential to bring on a lot of other guys too. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, you think about the fact that this is class of 2021 we're talking about. So if 2021 is already getting a big name or getting someone who's got a lot of talent, then it's other guys in 2021 who are like, okay, like maybe this is a program I should consider. You know, guys who are sophomores and aren't even really thinking about recruiting yet, but who are going to be big name additions to a roster. Those are the guys now who are like, okay, this guy's already on board for Virginia. Like, let me look more into Virginia. Well, and it's also going to help with, it can only help with 2020, I feel like, right? Like you have yeah. someone who who sees what Tony, like who really believes in Tony's system, it seems like. And you've got these guys like Henry Coleman, Keon Johnson, um, who who haven't committed yet but are interested, and, or at least the coaches are interested in them. And I, I just I hope that seeing this happen, they can it might help them commit to us too. Well, in twenty twenty is really probably the coaches' focus right now anyway, mm-hmm. um, because twenty twenty they don't have any one on board yet. Yeah. Um, 
you know, 2019 recruiting is kind of wrapping up this fall. So 2020 is definitely where they're looking. Um, so I think that, like you said, this definitely helps in that regard also. Great stuff. Emily, before <laughs> we wrap this up, is there any big thought you want to leave us on, whether it's football, basketball, anything that's just kind of on your mind, UVA sports? Or another sport. Oh, God. So much pressure. I don't know. I guess this would be something. Um, There's a conversation I was a part of last week about kind of basketball. And since we were just talking about recruiting, I was thinking about this, about how so many fans are still so upset about the UMBC loss and kind Mm -hmm. of like so angry about things that happen. And I feel like this goes for our football team too, is like none of Virginia's programs are perfect. No sports team you're ever going to root for is going to be have undefeated seasons every season and win every championship title, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's just, I really wish, and I guess I could fault myself for this sometimes too when it comes to football, especially it's like, I wish that Virginia fans would just stick with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like even football games as a student, there were so many people who just didn't care about going if we weren't good. And this is something that I also was talking about is the fact that it's like the chicken or the egg thing. Like if teams have no support, are they going to be good? But if they're not good, they're not going to get any support. So mm-hmm. it's like, chicken and the egg. yeah, you know, like what I'm hoping is like, with football trending upwards that the people start to support them and continue to support them through big wins like this weekend over Louisville where there are exciting plays and everyone's into it versus even games that we don't do as well. And I guess that's what kind of sparked it was thinking about basketball is like, all right, this team still did incredible things. There's still a ton of potential with football. There's still a ton of potential. So I feel like people just need to kind of give the teams a, have a little more faith in our, in our programs, especially Carl Williams seems to be really doing good things there. So I mm-hmm. feel like this is a good time to be a Virginia fan. I feel like people yeah, just need the, to recognize that. Yeah. We over guys and ties podcast are very big fans of Carla Williams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's been <laughs> really exciting. It was my dad and I, we were looking over her at the game yesterday. She was doing an interview on the broadcast, like right in front of our seats. And we're like, Hey, there she is. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of momentum, and I think you're spot on. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can support our guys and our teams uh, all the way through. Yeah. Also, and- like even if you don't like the rest of football, like Bryce Perkins is so fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, he's incredible. He jumped over a whole right? man <laughs> two times, and he did it twice. Yeah, he did it twice. He did it twice. But going back to going back to your point on the fans, like there was only roughly more or less 30,000 people in the stadium yesterday. And it's kind of, I mean, I get it. We, you know, we haven't been great in the past couple of years or so, but I mean, if you look back at the crowds that Tony Bennett had when he first started at UVA, like, it was bad. Like I know you yeah. weren't a fan back then, but I, <laughs> I was still, I was going to games when Tony first started and it was rough. Like the games were rough. The fans were rough. Like it was all bad, but now that he started winning and his system works, it's amazing. And I think we've sold out JPJ this season already. Fifth year in a row. Yeah, yeah. So it's wild. Yeah, so I hope eventually we can get to there with um, Scott Stadium as well. I mean, Tony Bennett is a magician, so hopefully Bronco Bennett and Hawkins take some tips <laughs> in that regard. Right. Yeah. All right, buddy. Emily, Karen. Emily, thanks for coming on. Uh, We'll have to have you back sometime. Yeah, of course. Just let me know. Yeah, thanks so much. This was wonderful. So once again, that was Emily Karen, and thank you so much to her for coming on and giving us a lot of great insight into football and recruiting. But I think that Rob and I are going to wrap this up, and we're just going to give some yells. So mine is going to go out to the Virginia Tech football Twitter, and two years ago, when ODU was getting a new scoreboard, they had a graphic. And on the graphic, it said that ODU beat Tech. And the Tech football Twitter said something like, LOL, yeah, yeah, right, in your dreams. And then some ODU fan was like, not in two years, just watch, they're going to get wrecked for four quarters straight. And it, it ended up that. And now everyone on Twitter is roasting, is bringing this tweet up from two years ago. And um, I thought that was really funny. So that's my yell. I had to give a yell to our Go ACC moment of the week, the Louisville kickoff returner taking a knee on the kickoff at the one-yard line when he <laughs> thought he was in the end zone. I, you know, if it was six years ago, I could have seen maybe Khalid Shepard do that. I could have maybe seen 
a number of Virginia players do that. Uh, so for once in maybe the first time in my lifetime, it was great to see just a boneheaded play from the other team. Just take a knee at the one-yard line, and Dustin and I are kind of in the mood of trolling right now. <laughs> Dustin and I just I couldn't let this go. I'm just looking at the picture right now. I couldn't let this go. It's a it's a good weekend for trolling. We've got a lot of a lot of content on the on Twitter, but I think that's it for us for today. So thank you guys so much for listening. I know this was a kind of a weird episode with the with some sound problems and Rob and I not being together. But thanks for listening anyway. Give us a follow on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Give us a follow on Snapchat at Guys and Ties Pod. Uh, subscribe on iTunes or Podbean if you want to keep listening. And we'll see you guys next week. Goes, baby. Goes, baby.